Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. I want to highlight a few people before we go into the message this morning. Uh, Drew Voorhees, Annabelle Veith, and Campbell Sampson uh, did so well at the statewide fine arts that they were promoted to the national competition and they went and they represented Jesus so well. And Campbell Sampson uh, painted this painting and she got second place in the nation. I mean, it's incredible. As a, she's going into ninth grade. She was in first service this morning. So proud of her, and uh, it's, it's just it's really amazing to see the gifts at work in, uh, in the people in our church, and so grateful uh, for each of you and how well you did. Annabelle's sitting up here. Congratulations to you for, uh, for making it there and going. We're proud of you, and, uh, and you got next year, right? And so uh, hold your head up high there. It's, just, it's, it's great. So Pastor Madison, thank you for your leadership uh, of, these, of the students in our church. We're grateful for them. I want to take a moment and share something heavy and then us pray and then dive into the message today. I'm grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit in orchestrating uh, even the series and what we're speaking on on Sunday mornings. And today we're gonna talk about heaven. We've been in a series called uh, 60 Seconds After You Die. And, uh, and today we're talking about heaven and I'm so grateful for that this Sunday is the day that we're talking about that because it's been a heavy week for people in our church. On Tuesday, we uh, got the news that a young lady, 20 years old from our church had been in a bus accident and, and passed away on Tuesday. It's tragic, it's awful. Some of you know her, her name is Landry, and, uh, and her mom had been recently coming to our church, Jill Burgard and Jeremy, uh, and they're mourning the death of their only only daughter. And so I would ask you to be praying for them, you know, and, uh, and I'm grateful for Landry's heart for Jesus. Those who knew her knew that she lived for eternity. And the Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. And so we hate tragedy, but we're grateful when someone is a follower of Jesus that it's not a goodbye forever, that it's a see you later. And one day we'll get to see her again. The other thing that uh, happened this week is Doyle Wagner had uh, a stroke. And, uh, and so let's be praying for him. He's in the hospital right now. He's responsive. But let's be praying that God would do a mighty work in his body and bring about full and complete restoration to him. And again, as we look to uh, the word of God, we're just grateful that, uh, that his word is true that he's trustworthy in the midst of adversity, in the midst of crisis, his love surrounds us. And so I just wanna take a moment right now and as a church, I'm gonna ask that all of us would participate in this, that you wouldn't look to me to just lead us in a moment, but instead that I would just be one of the participants in this room that's just gonna touch heaven on behalf of both of these families, that we would pray for Jill and Jeremy, that God would comfort them and let's pray for Doyle and Linda, that God would, would heal Doyle's body and give both of them strength. Let's all agree in prayer right now. God, we thank you so much that 
even in the midst of crisis and adversity that we can look to you, that our hope is in you. And so God, I pray for those in this room that were close to Landry, that you would comfort their hearts and give them peace today. We pray for Jill and Jeremy, that there would be an overwhelming sense of the spirit of God in their house, comforting them and giving them strength. Lord, I ask that, that they would lean into you in this season and that you would be more than enough for them. God, we lift up Doyle in the hospital room to you right now. We ask that, that even in this moment, that he would sense the presence and the power of the spirit, that you would do a healing and a miraculous work in his body, that you would restore full function to all of, all of his body and that you would make him whole. Give Linda strength, we pray, and give Doyle strength as they continue to trust in you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. We've been talking in this series that what you believe about eternity impacts how you live today. What you believe about eternity impacts how you, believe, how you live today. We've been in this series called 60 Seconds After You Die, and today we're wrapping up this series. Last week, we talked about the righteousness of God and the horrors of hell. The first week, we talked about the rewards that we'll receive as followers of Jesus. And again, that to be as followers of Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. And some of you might be like, why are we talking about this? Why are we talking about something so morbid? And I'll tell you, the, one of the reasons why we're talking about it is because I have a responsibility as a pastor to prepare you for what's next. Right, And so the word of God directs us for how we should live today and also directs us as to what's next and how we, what we believe about eternity impacts how we live today. And so we talk about how we exist as a church to inspire and equip people to give their whole selves to Jesus, right? To give their whole lives to him, not just for eternity, but even on this side of eternity, to grow in their relationship with him as much as possible on this side of heaven. And what's not known right now will be known, known when we get to heaven and then the final part of that is to go into all the world and tell the good news. How many know that there are people in our community right now who need to hear the good news? There are people that without an intervention are on the path to destruction and on the path to hell. And God has uniquely positioned you here in this community and your spheres of influence, not to just exist, but to thrive for the glory of God, to grow in your relationship with him and to go into all the world and share the good news. Now more than ever, like we have got to be part of that. So why are we talking about eternity? Because I hope that it will inspire us, that it'll create a sense of urgency in our hearts, that we will live differently, and that we'll, we'll love differently and that we'll share the life of Christ uh, more eagerly. Another reason why we're talking about it is I've had conversations with people recently uh, about what happens after we die. And, and in this series, I'm hoping to just clarify that. I'm grateful for Pastor Craig Rochelle and he put together this series and I appreciate how accessible that it is. And so we're sharing it with, with our church. So if you missed any of the previous messages, I would encourage you to go back and listen online at crosspointwaverly.com or on Facebook or YouTube or take a listen on Spotify. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. If you believe that you're an accident, that you have no purpose, there's no reason for being here, that when you die, you just go back to the ground and there's nothing after that, then you'll live for the here and now. And, and some of you would say, well, why not even uh, live however I want? There's no standards, there's no truth. You might as well do whatever you want. On the other hand, if you believe that you have been created on purpose, for a purpose, by loving God, and that you're going to live somewhere forever, then it'll impact how you live today. So today we're talking about heaven. 
And I know that my words will be inadequate to express what heaven truly is. In fact, I would say that the English language uh, makes it impossible to truly describe the glory and the beauty of heaven. First Corinthians chapter two, verse number nine, Paul proves this point. He says, but it's written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. As I can't do it justice this morning, the English language can't do it justice, we're gonna look to the word of God and hope that in some way that it'll help paint a picture of heaven today. Let's look at the words of Jesus in John chapter 14. And I wanna say that for those of you who are feeling a bit heavy today, under the weight and the concerns of the world, you're feeling burdens, you feel worried, you feel anxious, you feel concerned. I pray that the words of Jesus will give you faith and hope in the middle of this difficult season. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse number one. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, let your hearts not be troubled that he's gone to prepare a place for us. There was a man named John who was in exile on the Isle of Patmos and he has this vision by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God revealed to him what we read in Revelation chapter 21, verse number one. This is what he saw. He says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He goes on to say what God will be doing. Look at verse number four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Verse five, and he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Can I tell you this morning that the word of God is still trustworthy and true? Still trustworthy and true. Let's jump down to verse number seven. This is what it says. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. The one who conquers will have this heritage. I will be his God and he will be my son. The one who is on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And those who are victorious will inherit all of this and I will be their God and they will be my children. What an honor. And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled that he's gone to prepare a place for us. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. God, we ask this morning that your word would pierce straight to our hearts. God, there are some people who have come in this room today needing to hear a word from you. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak, that these wouldn't be my words, but that they would be your words. And Lord, that it would change us and transform us today. In Jesus' name, amen. 
To help us understand what heaven is gonna be like, I wanna start by showing you what heaven is not. I think a lot of people have some misconceptions about what heaven is like. And so what I wanna do today is talk about three misconceptions about heaven. And hopefully as we talk about these, there will be some truths about heaven that will emerge and again, change how we live today because what we believe about eternity impacts how we live today. I think many of you would agree that one of the most common misconceptions about heaven is people say that heaven will be boring. Everybody say, ooh. Heaven's not gonna be boring. Many people believe that heaven will be boring and and there are reasons why people believe that heaven will be boring. One reason why I think that people believe that heaven will be boring is because the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. And he's trying to convince people that heaven's gonna be boring. He speaks his native language, which is lies. When we think about the devil, he's Satan. He's the father of lies. As many of you know, he's Lucifer. He was an archangel, one of the archangels created by God for the glory of God. There was Michael and Gabriel and Lucifer. Lucifer was probably a worship angel and he was a glorious creature in heaven. And the problem is he became jealous of God. He said at least five times that, that he wanted to be as great and be like God. And God said, it's not going to happen because I'm the only God and that's just how it's going to be. There's not going to be any other. And so he cast Satan and the third of the, uh, of the angels followed him. Many theologians believe that these would be the demonic forces today. And so what does Lucifer, Satan, the prince of darkness, do today? Well, he lies He tries to deceive us. He comes to still kill and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God. He's worked hard to try to convince the world that heaven isn't real, that hell isn't real, that heaven is boring and hell isn't real. And if there really is a hell that you shouldn't be worried about it. He's been working overtime about that. Now I'll be honest with you, not just as a kid, but as a young adult, I thought that heaven sounded like a boring place as well. As I'm getting older, the less boring heaven sounds. And one of the reasons why heaven sounds less boring is because of my love and my relationship with Jesus has grown. And to think that one day I'm gonna be in his presence, how could that even be boring? And so I think for me as a younger person, the reason why I thought heaven would be boring was because of immaturity in my relationship with Jesus as it's grown. In addition, as we age, we, more of our friends and family have gone on to heaven than, than generally what they had when we were younger. And so the thought that one day we'll be reunited with them doesn't sound boring to me. It sounds exciting to be able to, to see them. Right, the devil wants to make heaven seem boring to some people. I think some people think that heaven is boring is because they think that God is boring. They think that God is a killjoy and that God wants to rob them of everything fun. But I want you to understand this morning that heaven will be the opposite of boredom. It's the absence of everything evil and it's the presence of God. Think about that. It's the absence of everything evil. All of the hurt that you've experienced in your life has not been because of the good things of God. It's been because of the evil in the world. And to think that there is a place where evil doesn't exist and only the goodness exists, how could it be? boring it's not going to be and so I want to show you a few different things from scripture of what we know heaven will be like what will happen in heaven what will be what will heaven be like first off will know one another will love and be loved Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 
verse number 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Verse 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. In heaven we'll recognize one another, we'll be known and we'll love and we'll be loved. There might be some of you who go up to Peter and be like, bro, what was that like when you stepped out of the boat and walked on water? I tried to reenact that my whole life and it never worked, man. How, how did that happen for you? Maybe others of you will walk up to David and be like, that was legendary, bro. Like five out of 10 sermons were about what you did to Goliath. What was that moment like when that stone flung out of your, uh, of your sling and hit the giant? Maybe for some of you who've had painful childbirths, you'll find Eve and be like, girl, was it seriously worth it? (laughs) What were you thinking? In heaven, you'll know and you'll be known, you'll love and you'll be loved. For those of you who've lost loved ones that were in Christ, those of you who've lost a child, a spouse, a relative, a friend, you'll be reunited with those that you love. In heaven, there will be no more heartache and rejection and pain. And heaven will experience perfect love. What will heaven be like? It'll be a place of unimaginable beauty. Think of this. We read the verse earlier. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has prepared for us. That would imply that there are going to be some new experiences that we have in heaven. There might be some new colors and some new sensations. And a new beauty of the recreated world as God establishes it in a new and glorified heaven. Think about the beauty of this world that he's created. Imagine if you had 10 years to just travel around the world and see all of that and imagine God's creation without sin. Imagine it's like going on safari where the lion's not gonna eat you and you can walk up and pet it and the lion is laying next to the lamb and there's no sin and no death and no pain. Think about the most beautiful place that you've been to on the earth. Maybe for some of you, it's right here in Bremer County, walking across the Bremer County Bridge and you look at the water cascading over the dam and that waterfall is the most beautiful thing that you've ever seen. Maybe for others of you, it's a place a little more exotic, maybe mountains or or valleys or oceans. But think about those places and all of that doesn't, it it pales in comparison to what we'll experience in heaven. Heaven will be a place of unimaginable beauty. Revelation chapter 21 verse 15 says, and the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The, The city lies four square, its length the same as its width. And he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia, Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured its wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. The wall was built of jasper while the city was pure gold like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Heaven will be a place of unimaginable beauty. The next aspect of heaven is that we'll see Jesus face to face. 
We'll see Jesus face to face. First John chapter three, verse two says, beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Do we truly understand what that means that we'll see Jesus face to face? If you look throughout scripture, you'll recognize that you can't see the face of God and live. In fact, Moses cried out to God and he said, God, I wanna see your glory. And God said to Moses, you can't handle my glory. God said to Moses, I'll pass by and let you just get a glimpse on the very end, but you can't handle the full view of my glory. And yet one day as followers of Jesus, we will look at him face to face, eye to eye. And when we look at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords face to face, eye to eye, we'll realize that we never lived until we've seen the glory of the Son of God. We'll see Jesus face to face in heaven. In heaven, we'll have new and perfect bodies. Somebody say amen. New and perfect bodies. The loved ones that have gone on before us that we've seen decline in their health will be reunited with them with perfect bodies. I think about my grandmother that was an incredibly godly woman who loved me and I loved her and I watched in the final years of her life as she dealt with dementia not be able to recognize who I am and to think that one day, I'll stand with her in heaven again and I'll be known by her and, and I'll know her and we'll be able to catch up of all the last times, and, uh, of, of all the lost times that we've had, right? We'll have perfect bodies in heaven. When I get to heaven, hair will grow in the places that I actually want it to grow. I don't know why that was funny to y'all back there. I mean, that section back there, y'all really like that one. I'll try to get more of those into the sermon just for you. Whatever battle or ailment you have on this earth will be gone and your body will be perfect in every way. So what will heaven be like? It'll be the absence of everything bad, everything painful and evil, and the presence of everything good and holy and glorious. Throughout scripture, we see that it actually looks like we'll work in heaven. I think that's one of the reasons why I thought heaven would be boring is what are we gonna do? Just stand around all day for eternity. And you realize by looking in scripture that God will actually have work for us to do in heaven. We'll be able to take the gifts that he's given to us and actually use it for the glory of Jesus. It won't be a curse, it'll be a blessing as it's originally intended. And so what you've been passionate about, it appears that you'll get to do that in serving Jesus in heaven. To think about Campbell's painting today and to think about in heaven, how she'll be able to use that gift. I, I, I joked with her this morning as she was sitting in the service and I just, I can't imagine how, how great you paint now. Imagine what that will look like in heaven. For those of you who are master gardeners, I can't imagine the tomatoes that you'll grow in heaven, you know? Like whatever skill set that you have that God uses for his glory in heaven, it'll be amazing. For all eternity, we'll be ruling and reigning with Christ in the presence of everything good, holy and right and just in the absence of everything evil and painful. What will we find in heaven? In heaven we'll find no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more fear, no more stress, no more depression, no more sleepless nights, no more anxiety, no more abuse, no more heartache, no more divorce, no more racism, no more injustices, no more violence, no more getting up and going to the bathroom at 3 a.m., No more bad breath. No more Monday mornings. No more 
Payne, how many think heaven's going to be a great place? Come on. Let's give God glory. Yeah. It's the presence of everything good and the absence of everything evil. Why wouldn't we want to go and why wouldn't we want to take as many people with us as possible? The first misconception about heaven is that heaven will be boring. The second is this. So many people believe wrongly that this world is your forever home. This world is your forever home. Paul told the Philippian believers in his letter to them, he was talking about those who didn't know Christ in Philippians chapter three, verse number 19. He says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. With mindset on earthly things. He says that these people's eyes are on, on the things that, that they think matter now that don't matter for eternity. Of what they have, what they look like, where they go, how they dress, what they own, what they wear and where they live. They think that this is what matters for all eternity. Their mind is set on earthly things. But he continues as followers of Jesus in verse number 20 that that doesn't describe us. But instead, this is what should describe us. Our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I remind us all this morning that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. It's just a temporary place for us. Scripture says that our life is but a mist and then it fades away. You're here for a moment and then you're gone. For many of us, though, we get carried away and caught up in things that don't matter. Now, I wonder how our lives would be different if we would just stop in some certain moments. And we would ask this question, is this going to matter 100 years from now? Is this going to matter 100 years from now? And if it's not gonna matter 100 years from now, it's not gonna matter for eternity. And if it doesn't matter, then why do we let it upset us? Let's live in a way where we make a difference. What matters is how we lived and how we loved, how we gave and how we served. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse number 18, Paul writes, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone but the things that we cannot see will last forever. This world is not our home. We're a mist that appears for a little while. And what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. So many misconceptions about heaven. People think it'll be boring. It's not gonna be boring in the absence of evil in the presence of God. The other misconception is people believe that this world is our home. It's not, it's just a mist. That's why we need to live today for what matters the most. And the third misconception is this, all around the world today, people wrongly believe that most people are going to heaven anyway. The third misconception is most people are going to heaven anyway. They believe that it doesn't matter what you do or how you live or how you believe because most people are gonna make it to heaven anyway. They believe that humans are inherently good and so heaven must be the default destination. Let's remember the words of Jesus and take these words seriously. He said, broad is the road and wide is the path that leads to destruction and many people are on it. But narrow is the road and small is the gate that leads to life and few people find it. The truth is not everyone makes it to heaven. It's also true that good people don't make it to heaven. So who goes to heaven? I'll tell you, forgiven people go to heaven. People forgiven by the grace of Jesus. That's who makes it. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth 
and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, then we'll be saved. Who makes it to heaven? Those who confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, make it to heaven. I want to read some scriptures that are maybe familiar to some of you today, and I want you to feel the power of God's word and internalize them. I want it to impact you. I want these verses to sink in. In Romans chapter 3, verse number 23, it says, For everyone has sinned. Who has sinned? Who has sinned? Everyone. That's right. Everyone has sinned. You've sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. And Paul says we've all fallen short of the glory in the, of the, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. We talked about last week that we're not inherently good people. How many of you in this room have ever lied? Would you just slip up your hand? Okay, I want you to look around and to the people who don't have their hands raised and just say, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> okay, we've all lied. How many of you have stolen something? Would you lift up your hand? Right, a few of you, like honest about that. Y'all might need to check your purses to make sure that you don't have cross point pins in there because uh, I'm just kidding. You didn't steal a cross point pin. We gave it to you. You can have it. If you could ever truly understand the holiness of God, you would become acutely aware of the sinfulness of mankind. We're not good, and we fall short of God's standard. Verse number 24 says, Yet God in his grace... God in his grace, not in our righteousness, but in his grace. Not in our goodness, but in his grace. Freely makes us right in his sight. This passage tells us how he did it. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shed his blood. It's God's grace that gets us into heaven. So here's what I've tried to accomplish in this series. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, I've hoped to alleviate some of your anxiety and some of your fear about what happens after this life. Right, I hope that through this series, there's this excitement for what's to come. As followers of Jesus, we don't have to be afraid. We can have confidence and assurance that one day to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. The other goal of this series is that for those who aren't followers of Jesus, that it would create a sense of urgency that today is the day of salvation, right? That they wouldn't wait till tomorrow or wait for a future opportunity, but that today would be the day that people would recognize their need for a savior and confess him as their Lord and savior. And finally, that it would create a sense of urgency to help us recognize that what we have and what we do and what we believe about eternity impacts how we live today. And when we believe correctly about eternity, then it should cause us to live correctly today, to make a difference, to focus on what matters. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 55 says, "'O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting?' In verse number 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. One day, for those who remain faithful, we will receive a reward. 
This message is a message of hope. Jesus has prepared a place for us and he has prepared the way to get there. Earlier, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And today, by the grace of God, you've been given the opportunity to hear the gospel and to respond to it. I'm gonna ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you're enemies of Christ. You've never confessed them as your Lord and Savior. And you say, today, I wanna become a follower of him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. You say, today, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. In just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all stand. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of someone who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who needs to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear heavenly father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior, be my king. Take over every area, take over every aspect and help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. In Jesus name. Amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raise your hand, we would encourage you in the decision that you've made today in the journey that God wants to take you on. We'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. Just a moment, the prayer team's gonna make their way to both sides of the stage. And if you come here today needing prayer for anything, I'd encourage you when the worship team begins to lead out in this next song that that you would step out of your seat and come forward. Before we do that, I just wanna pray over us. I would imagine that there are a number of you in this room that would wanna join with me and say, as a follower of Jesus, I want more spiritual urgency. I want my life to count. I wanna be consumed by the things of God and and serving and loving and showing the grace of Jesus. I want what happens in my life on on this side of eternity to make a difference. If that's you this morning, you wanna join me. I just wanna pray over you. Would just slip up your hand all across this room? God, look across this room. It's filled with people that love you, that wanna bring you glory in all that they do. Lord, I pray for each person with their hand lifted up today. God, that you would put a sense of of spiritual urgency within our hearts, 
God, we ask for more Holy Spirit activity working in our lives, that you would work in and through us, that you would refine us and shape us into the men and the women of God that you've called us to be. Lord, that we would reflect your glory through our lives. God, I pray that that you would make us more sensitive to the spiritual things that are happening around us. God, I ask that you would give us words of wisdom to speak into the lives of people, things that we would never know in the natural, but it would be an on-time word for a specific moment for somebody that would bring them hope and lead them to eternal life. God, help us to keep eternity in sight. Lord, when we get distracted and fixated on the things of the world, would you realign our, our vision and our thoughts to think on what matters, which is eternity. So God, we thank you for the pictures that you've painted in your word of the rewards that we'll receive at the end of this life if we don't lose heart and we remain faithful. God, for those who are watching online and those in this room who still aren't followers of you, God, I pray that your spirit would quicken their hearts, that you would draw them to you and that today would be the day of salvation for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.